اوكي الحمد لله والصلاه والسلام على رسول الله we begin with the praise of Allah and we ask Allah to exalt the mention and grant peace to our messenger Muhammad peace be upon him and his family and his companions and this is the second part of the kids class on the topic of Hajj but I've got a, a confession to make okay and I don't know if you we don't have confessions in Islam no no I don't mean that kind of confession I don't mean that oh, okay the, the we I have a confession to make as in when I finished the class yesterday last yesterday last week I realized that I made a huge mistake or a huge omission I forgot something in the Umrah what did I forget for Aisha and Yusuf who have made Umrah how many times you've made Umrah have you guys been to Mecca have you two boys been to Mecca no, no. what about you two you girls you haven't been so here Aisha and Yusuf you're going to tell me what I missed from last week after Maqam Ibrahim we said after you go around the Kaaba seven times and after you pray behind Ibrahim's place no no before the hair before Safa and Marwa I missed something not after the prayer before the, I missed something yeah okay after the prayer I missed something I missed Zamzam I missed it. I didn't mention drinking from Zamzam. So what I'm going to have to do, because you guys have forgot, because you guys forgot to remind me, I'm now going to have to ask one of you two to edit the video from last week to put this reminder in the this little bit inside of the 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 video so that people don't learn it wrong because we forgot to say that after you have finished praying, you've done you've done your seven times around the Kaaba and you've prayed after that, you need to drink from the water of Zamzam. And Zamzam is what? What is Zamzam? What's the word? What is it? What's it about? Uh, okay. It's water. It's actually a well. It's a well. You, like a, a, a big hole in the ground where they extract water from it. Uh, now it's all covered up as part of the mosque, like the machinery and everything. They have huge pumps that draw well out from the, the water out from the ground but it's actually a well and the water when you drink it you don't just drink it you drink it until you're full and you don't just drink it until you're full you pour it over yourself as well the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam when he used to wash drink the zamzam he would make it like he was like he was taking a shower he would pour it all over himself as though he was taking a shower so we didn't mention that last time. Okay, recap. Who can give me a recap on the Umrah? First of all, super quick, what is Umrah? Not Hajj. We didn't get Hajj is today. Umrah was last week. What's Umrah? A, a mini version of Hajj, a small version of the pilgrimage, right? A small version of Hajj. What's the major differences? Le Hajj, you travel all around, you travel all, all, all over the place. Umrah is all in one place, right in the mosque, in, in Mecca. Time. How long does Hajj take? The 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, and possibly 13th. So around six days. How long does Umrah take? Not seven minutes. You have to be super fast to do it in seven minutes. 
about three hours. So that's the, those are the differences. Okay, in f less than five minutes, who can give me an, a reminder about Umrah? Wh where do we start? Okay, you start from home, okay? And you need to travel to Mecca. Ihram. So you put your garments on. So for a, for, a, for a man, what are the garments of Umrah? What do you wear for, for Umrah, for a man? Towels. Two towels. Very good. That's a very good description. Two big white bath towels. One around your waist and one on your shoulders. Or sheets or anything similar like that. The towel ones are actually better than the, the, the ones that are like bed sheets because the ones that are like bed sheets are super uncomfortable when you're walking around in them. But yes, you have two big sheets, one which is wrapped around your waist and, and usually tied over, and one which is wrapped around your shoulders and thrown over your shoulders like, a, uh, like yeah, like if you took a big towel and put one over, over one shoulder and then threw the other one over the other side. It'd be like a, you know, what we call a rida, the top part of your two-piece uh, garment. Okay, what about for a lady? There's no specific clothing for, for Hajj or Umrah for a lady, but she has to wear her Islamic clothing, like whatever, she would cover her hair and... Apart from gloves and face, no covering, no covering the hands, no covering the face. If she has to cover her face, how does she cover her face? With a hijab. Very good. Okay. I saw I'm gonna. I didn't see you put your hand up, uh, Lamorana. So next time I will definitely ask you. Okay. So I'm sorry because you put your hand up and she didn't, and I asked her because I wasn't paying attention. Okay. So I've got my garments on. Where, where's the first place I'm going to pass to start my pilgrimage? Um, Everywhere is different, but I'm going to pass it. Do, do you know what the name of the place is? The special place. What, what are those special starting points? Shall we call them starting points? That's quite a good name for them, right? Like the place where you start your pilgrimage. Not like your home. I mean, the place where you're the rites of the pilgrimage start where you start doing the actions of the pilgrimage. It's, it's called a miqat, a miqat. And there are quite a few of them dotted around. Do you know which the, where the furthest one is? The one that's the furthest away? Yes, you do. Where do you think it might be? In Makkah. No, no, Makkah, the one in Makkah is the closest. In Makkah is close. The furthest one is Medina. It's next to Medina. It's called Dhul Hulayfa. And that's the starting point for people from Medina. So the people coming from Medina or from the north, because Medina is in the north, people coming from that northern area, they're going to start their pilgrimage from, from the starting point, like a race, right? You know, you have a starting point and a finishing point, yeah? So like the starting point, the Miqat, the starting point is going to be in Medina. So it's quite a long journey because Medina to Makkah is 400 kilometers which is, I don't know how many miles, maybe 350, 340, something like that. It's quite, it's quite a, a reasonable uh, length, maybe 300 miles or so. So it's quite a, a reasonable uh, length. You'd, it will take you a few hours 
It will take you a few hours to go. Okay. It's not that many. It's 1.6, so 170, 70, 70, 100, 400 kilometers is. 140, yeah, about, okay, nearly, nearly, 300, nearly 300 miles, 290 miles, something like that. Okay, where's the closest Miqat? Okay, not quite in Makkah, because you can't start where you're going to finish. Have you ever seen a race that starts somewhere and finishes in the same place? It would be, I mean, not without going around, I mean, if you just started and finished. It's a little bit out, but it's in. It's actually on the road between Makkah and Taif. It's four hundred kilometers. I don't know. Work it out, man. I think it's. Two, I said I said two hundred ninety. So, yeah, I, I said two hundred ninety. Eventually, I got my maths right. Uh, two hundred seventy-nine. Okay, it's very precise. I don't think the four hundred kilometers is precise. I think it's like four hundred and something. Anyway, uh, so the closest one is near a place called Taif, which is around about 45 minutes away from Mecca, half an hour away from Mecca. So the shortest journey from the starting point to, to, where to, 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 the, to the mosque in Mecca is about 45 minutes. The longest one is about four to five hours. So those are the starting points. They're dotted around, loads of them dotted around different places, different starting points for different people. So if you're coming from the direction of Yemen, you have a starting point. If you're coming from the direction of Syria, you have a starting point. If you're coming from the direction of Iraq, you have a starting point. If you're coming from the direction of the West, uh, you have a starting point. So you reach a starting point, you start, and you travel towards Mecca wearing your garments and reciting your, what do we call it? What do you recite? What do we call it? Talbiya. Labbaik Allahumma labbaik. Labbaika la sharika laka labbaik. Inna alhamda wa ni'mata laka wal mulk. La sharika lak. So you keep on reciting those words. What does it mean? I answer your call. O oh Allah, I answer your call. You have no partner. I answer your call. All praise and all blessings belong to you as does everything in the world you own everything like you don't have any partner you're going to reach Makkah inside of Makkah you reach where? the Masjid al-Haram which is called the sacred mosque what's the difference in the sacred mosque and the Kaaba? Which is inside of which one is inside of which one? So the Kaaba is a mosque inside of a mosque. Yeah? A masjid inside of a masjid. Right? So the Kaaba itself is a masjid. It's, it's, it's a, a, a structure, like a building, which is, um, I mean, I don't know how, how would you describe it. It's, it's kind of, cuboid it's cuboid shape and it's probably big enough for what would you say maybe 25 people along each side or something like that maybe a little bit more maybe more than that like it's not it's not like huge in size right um, I don't know I'm just trying to think if you stood one side to the other, yeah maybe maybe something like that 30 people or something like that in a row on each side 
So it's not really, really big. The, around that Kaaba is the Masjid al-Haram, the sacred mosque. And that is a huge, big mosque. So there's a, 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 a courtyard around the Kaaba, which people pray on. Then, there's the, then there's the mosque continues after the courtyard. So the courtyard is like in the middle. Then there is, a, there is the building. There are all the people praying on all these different floors. I don't know how many floors they have now. Three or so four, I don't know. Um, in some places, I think mostly it's three. But they also have a basement level now. And all these people praying and facing the Kaaba. So we said, you go into the Kaaba. Where do you start your seven trips around the Kaaba? Your seven, seven circles around the Kaaba? Where do you start? At which place? Yes, Yusuf. Because you put your hand up. Yes. No, no, we're going around the Kaaba. You don't live in the Kaaba, right? Okay, we're going around the Kaaba, around and around and around. We're going to go seven times around. Our left shoulder faces the, the, the inside of the Kaaba, faces the Kaaba, and we're going around in an anti-clockwise direction. Where do we start? No, not at the door. The stone. We start at the black stone. The black stone is a brick or yeah, it's a stone. But it was the last space, the last space where there was no brick. So the whole Kaaba was built. It was built by, first of all, it was built by the angels. It was built by Adam. But it was famously built by Abraham, by Ibrahim. When Ibrahim built it, there was one brick left where there was no space. And that was the black stone. And it's on the corner before the door. So we'll quickly describe the Kaaba. We said it's a cuboid shape. You start with the black stone on one corner. Then very close to the black stone, you have the, the door. Keep going along the side of it and you have a semicircular wall, which is about chest height. You then come back around to the other side. You have an uncovered corner, the Yamani corner, which is uncovered. It doesn't have any covering, any cloth. And then you have the last part when you come to the black stone again. So you start at the black stone. You raise your hand to wave and say, Allahu Akbar. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. Every time you pass the black stone, what do you do? You, you raise your right hand and say Allahu Akbar, very good. So you went around seven times, excellent. You went around seven times, you did your, you, you did your thing. Is there anything that you have to say when you're going around the Kaaba? Nothing specific, but what is, it, what is the best thing to say in the last part, the last leg, the last little, the last little part before the black stone? Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana. Our Lord, give us good in this world and good in the hereafter and save us from the fire of hell. Yes. Ah, yes, that was... A, I left you to research it. So I said the Kaaba is a mosque, right? It's a masjid. There's one place in the Kaaba you can't pray. The Yaman, not, not the Yamani corner. You said the black stone last week, not the black stone. Not the door. There's one place in the Kaaba you can't pray. On the roof. On the roof. 
And that's, that's genuine. Like, that's one thing the Prophet prohibited, is he prohibited praying on the roof of the Kaaba. How tall is the Kaaba? In, in height of, of people. Like, how? Maybe? No. I, I don't mean, like, say my height. Maybe three, three of me? I'm just guessing. I'm just remembering when you stand outside. To yeah, so it would take it would take quite a it would take quite a job to get on the roof. But the roof is the one place where you can't uh, pray. You could, but you still couldn't pray there. If you use ladders or you don't use ladders, you still couldn't pray there. It's not allowed to pray on the roof. Everywhere else in the Kaaba, you can pray. The door is usually closed. Do you know the Kaaba used to have two doors, not one? The Kaaba used to have two doors. So people used to go in one door and out the other. But before the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him, the people who were looking after the Kaaba, they wanted to restrict the access to it. They didn't want everybody to be able to go in freely. So they closed one of the doors and they kept it. What else is wrong with the Kaaba? So this is an interesting question. What's wrong? And when I say wrong, I mean it wasn't done at the time of Ibrahim, of Abraham. What's wrong with the Kaaba? The black covering? No, the kiss where the covering is fine. That's the, the covering is like a material covering that goes over the Kaaba, uh, like a, a giant, I don't know, would you say like a, a giant curtain or something, but like all the way draped all the way over the top. That's the kiswa. The shape of the Kaaba. So the first thing that's wrong is the, the shape. The Kaaba, when Ibrahim built it, you know I said there's a semicircular wall on one part. That semicircular wall used to be a part of the building itself. So it was not a cuboid. It wasn't a cube. It wasn't a cube. It was uh, a cube at one part with a semicircle at the other, at the other end. And one end of the cube had a semicircle on it. But what happened was. So it's like a square that has a turn on one corner. Yeah, that's it. Like a square that has a half of a, uh, that has circle. half of a circle on one part. But what happened was when the Kaaba was damaged and they had to rebuild it. Quraysh, which were the tribe who was looking after it, they didn't have enough pure money. All of their money was haram money, bad money. They didn't have any enough good money to build it. So they only built it to the height of chest height. They couldn't build it all the way up to the, the roof. But that gives us two really good things. First of all, it means it's easy for you to go inside the Kaaba. How can you go inside the Kaaba if the door is locked and you don't have the key? No. Just go into the semicircle. Because the semicircle has two little gaps beside the wall where you can just walk inside. But what must you not do? When must you not go inside? When must you not go inside that semicircular wall? When you're going around seven times. Because you wouldn't have gone around, would you? You would have gone through, not around. So you can't take shortcut. Yeah? Okay. So that is a little bit about the Kaaba. And you've gone around seven times. Allahu Akbar, you're, you're waving towards the stone. And then you're going to pray behind Maqam Ibrahim. Maqam Ibrahim is the place where Ibrahim stood. Yeah, so it's, it's like a, a, 
a kind of a brass golden dome kind of thing, uh, which is uh, a little bit maybe one and a half my height or something like that. And inside there is a, a, a rock with, with footprints in it. So it's where Ibrahim stood. Originally, that was very close to the Kaaba. It was actually nearly touching the Kaaba. Does anyone know who moved it? Do you know, Abdurrahman, who moved it? Maqam Ibrahim from being close to the Kaaba to being about, uh, you know, a few meters out from it. Umar. Umar, the companion of the Prophet, the second Khalifa. Umar, he moved it. Why do you think he moved it? People were getting crushed. People were getting crushed. And that just shows you that you know, Islam is not a religion of like symbols, do you see what I mean? Like symbols like that, that, you know, it has to be there because that's where it always was. Like, if it's going to cause that difficulty for people, he moved it. Why? Last question about the Kaaba. Why did the Prophet, peace be upon him, not rebuild the Kaaba? He had the money for, 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 to rebuild it. Why did he not rebuild it? in the shape that it was at the time of Abraham. No, not to make it easy for people to come inside and pray. Very good. Because people, he was worried that people were not used to it. And he didn't want people to turn away from Islam because they felt like uh, he did something that, that, that was like... For it, he said to Aisha, he said, if it was not for the fact that your people were new to Islam, I would have demolished the Kaaba and rebuilt it as Abraham did, as Ibrahim did. But he... He didn't because he was frightened that people were new to Islam and maybe some of them would leave Islam because they were not, you know, it was strange to them. Like, how can someone demolish the Kaaba and rebuild it? But he wanted to rebuild it in its original shape, but he decided that it's not worth to rebuild it and for people to feel like, uh, you know, to feel strange or to feel unfamiliar with it. We, it's not worth the harm of, of what will happen if I rebuild it is more than the harm or more than the benefit that I want from rebuilding it. And that's something very important in Islam, which is that if you're going to do something and make things worse, you shouldn't do it. So he was frightened it would make things worse because the people were new. A lot of people were new to Islam. It, wasn't, it was a time when lots and lots, maybe like you know, 50,000 plus people were new to Islam. He didn't want to make a bigger problem by them feeling like he came and changed what they knew and what they were familiar with. Okay, we've done our prayer behind Maqam Ibrahim. If you can't find a space behind Maqam Ibrahim, where can you pray? Anywhere in the mosque, anywhere in the masjid, okay? If you can't, Find a space behind Maqam Ibrahim, anywhere. Then you're going to go to where? 
Zamzam, okay, Nilga said Safan Mara. Okay, you're gonna go to Zamzam, drink your Zamzam. Drink it as much as you can, pour it over yourself, then you're gonna to go to Safa and Marwa. What are Safa and Marwa? Two mountains. Okay? You stand on top of Safa, you face the Kaaba, you make dua, supplication, you go down, you run between the green lights, you go up again, you go down again, you go up again, you go down again, you go up again, you go down again, until you've done it seven times. That's Safa to Marwa is one, Marwa to Safa is two, Safa to Marwa is three, four, five, six, seven, you'll finish at Marwa. Yes, Yusuf. Each one you make dua. And you run, when you reach the bottom of the valley, you run. You run. Now, it doesn't feel like a valley anymore. Like they talk about a valley because now it's part of the, the masjid. So it feels like just another part of the building. But originally it was two mountains and a valley in between. And at the bottom of the valley you would run. But now uh, it's just part of the, the building. It just feels like part of the building. Last thing to do to finish your umrah? Cut your hair. For the boys, shave your head with a blade if you can. If you can't, then with a machine. If you can't, then just trim it with scissors. But you have to trim from all over the head. For a girl, you only trim and you trim the tip of a finger. The tip of a finger length from the bottom of your hair, not all over the whole head, from the bottom of your hair, all over, like the whole bottom of your hair from all the way around. You take her, the tip of a finger. All right, that finishes the Umrah, Umrah, which is the mini pilgrimage. You can do it any time of the year. When's the best time to do Umrah? From the hadith, not, not, I'm not talking about best time like you think. The best time to do it is like December because it's cold. Huh? When's the best time? No, not before Hajj. Good guess though. Not during Hajj. Yeah. The best time is in Ramadan. That the Umrah in Ramadan is equal to a Hajj. So yeah, definitely. And definitely one of the best times to do it is these days, the 10 days of the Hijjah. Okay. What date are we on for the Hijjah today? The 8th, right? Because tomorrow will be the 9th, which will be Arafah, and Eid day will be on Tuesday. Okay, today is the 8th. It's perfect for our class because we can tell you Hajj is going to start today. So what are the people going to do in Hajj today? on the 8th of the Hijjah. Right now, if you went look at, at, at Saudi, I mean, maybe Saudi is, is ahead of us in time. So uh, it's probably, for them, it's passed a little bit. But earlier on today, what did the people do in Hajj today? What do you think? Good guess, but no, they, they, they did that in the Umrah. After Umrah, they took their ihram off. And they wore their ordinary clothes. If the lady was covering her face and hands if she wants to, she was, uh, everybody's back to normal and they're just praying in Makkah, enjoying themselves. Uh, and the eighth comes, what are they going to do? 
get back into your ihram where do you get into your ihram do you go back to the starting point what do you think practically you imagine Makkah to Medina the the time by is 400 kilometers right so that's a that's a long time to travel by camel no you certainly couldn't go in a day and come back by car you can go in a day and come back but it would be hard so where do you think you're going to go no it's too far to go back very good you're going to go absolutely nowhere and you're going to put your garments on from the place you are staying in Makkah because you've done your Umrah right you've done your Umrah you finished you came out of your garments you you put your regular clothes on now you're going to put your Hajj garments on your Ihram you're going to put it on from your hotel or your house or wherever you're staying in Makkah you put it on now what do you need to do logically What did we do in Umrah when we put our garments on and we passed the starting point? Um, we went to the Kaaba. Yeah, before that. Yeah, on the airplane. Then after that. Um. When the pilot said you're about to cross the start line, oh. the Miqat. Before Labbaik, Allahumma Labbaik. Intention. You've, and generally in Islam, we never verbalize our intention, right? We never say, Oh Allah, I am going to pray four raka'at of Asr in Masjid Furqan behind the Imam. We don't verbalize, but we do verbalize it in Hajj and Umrah. So in Umrah, what did we say? Labbaika Allahumma Umrah. Oh Allah, I'm answering your call for Umrah. Now we're going to say, Labbaika Allahumma Hajjan. Oh Allah, I'm answering your call for Hajj. And then we're going to start. Labbaik Allahumma labbaik. Labbaik la sharika laka labbaik. Inna alhamda wa ni'mata laka wal mulk. La sharika lak. And that's going to continue all until Eid day. You can, it's alright, in your sleep you can stop saying it. Rabia gave me a look like. No, you're not going to be able to do so continuously, continuously, but you try to keep it going as much as possible, especially when you're changing to a new area, a new place, traveling. So I'm in my hotel in Makkah. Did anyone think it was worth me getting showered? Yeah, before the ihram, because now with, with Umrah, on the airplane it was difficult. We would have done it from home. But uh, for Hajj and, and Umrah, if you can, it would be better to make ghusl before you put your ihram, like to make a full shower before you put your ihram. So you put your uh, ihram after you made a full shower, like the shower you would take on a Friday, like the shower you would take on an Eid day. So you make a full shower before you do so. You put perfume where? For the boys, not for the girls. For the boys, where do you put perfume? On your own skin, not on the towel and not on anything else, you put it on your own skin before you say before you start your intention once you start your intention you're not allowed the perfume you're not allowed to cut your hair you're not allowed to cut your nails 
You're not allowed to get married. You're not allowed to arrange a marriage. You're not allowed to cover your head for boys. You're not allowed to wear sewn clothing. So no trousers, shorts, socks, and all that stuff. You've just got your two garments on. So you've got to make sure it's nice and secure. So I'm sitting in my hotel. I'm wearing my two white garments. One is tied securely around my waist. One is wrapped over my shoulders. I had done my shower. I had applied my perfume to my skin. I had said, لَبَّيْكَ اللَّهُمَّ حَجًّا Oh Allah, I'm answering your call for hajj. And I started, لَبَّيْكَ اللَّهُمَّ لَبَّيْكَ And now what do I do? For sure I need to leave my hotel room. Not to the Kaaba. Now we're going to head over to a place called Mina. Mina. Mina is sometimes known as the city of tents. Why do you think that is? Because <laughs> it's full of tents. And when we say tents, I'm not talking about like go camping tents. Yeah, I'm not talking about your local like go outdoors and you get like a, a, a tent for five people. I'm talking about a tent that can hold 400 people. And it, no, no, maybe not that much. 150 people per tent or 100, yeah, at least 100, 150 people per tent. Like a circus tent. Yeah, a quite, not as big as a circus tent. Um, 100 people squashed, something like that. And those tents are all arranged in like little communities because obviously you don't want people to get lost. And can you imagine being in a place where there are 4 million people staying in identical tents? Do you know how hard it is to find your way around when you are in a place where there are 4 million people staying in identical tents? All the tents are identical, yeah? It's extremely, after, without Google Maps, any before Google Maps, it's extremely difficult to find your way around. So they're organized into kind of gated communities where you have like people from one place, maybe people from UK and US together, people from say India together, people from say, for example, uh, some big countries have their own huge areas, some join together uh, who are, you know, from similar countries they, or countries in a similar area, they join together and so on. So you go to your tent in Mina and you go in the morning. So they've already gone. Right now, whoever's performing the Hajj has already reached Mina. So when you reach Mina, you stay in your tent. You don't go to the masjid. You don't go to the masjid. There is a masjid, but you don't go to the masjid. And the, if, it, there was, if everyone went to the masjid, they would have to, it, they would take a, it would take a lot of time to get to the back roof of front row. But uh, there is a masjid. But instead what you do, you pray. The sunnah is not to go. The sunnah is to pray in your tent. So what's the first prayer that we're going to have to do? Because we went in the morning. Fajr, we prayed in Makkah. Dhuhr. So when we're in Mina, the rule is every prayer is shortened but not combined. So that means that all the, four, all the prayers that are four become two. Two stays the same. Three stays the same. All of the prayers that are four, which prayers are four? Rabia, Dhuhr and Isha. There's no four for Asr. Okay, Dhuhr 
and Asr and Isha. They become two. But we still pray them on time. We don't join Dhuhr to Asr. We don't join Maghrib and Isha. We pray Dhuhr on time too. Asr on time, how many? Two. Maghrib on time? No, three. Isha on time? Two. Yeah, so all the ones that are four become? Two. All the ones that are four become two. So there we are in Mina. We prayed our Dhuhr. We stayed remembering Allah. We prayed our Asr. We stayed remembering Allah, we prayed our Maghrib and our Isha. Why, what's the benefit of going to Mina on the 8th? It's called Yawm Tarwiyah, the day of transporting the water and preparation. So remember, you know, in those days they didn't have water pipelines and pumps and everything that bring you fresh water. No, people used to go and actually transport the water for the pilgrims to Mina because Mina is a place nobody really lives there except the Hajj, that's it and it's inside of Mecca but just on the far edge of Mecca just inside of Mecca okay so Mina you get ready and you rest because what is coming after Mina is the ninth and the ninth is tomorrow what day is tomorrow? Arafah Yawmu Arafah what is Arafah? Is it a person? A place? A time? A day? What is Arafah? No, it's not a mountain. It's absolutely not a mountain. 100% guarantee you it's not a mountain. It's not even like a mountain. It's the exact opposite if you could, not quite the opposite, maybe more opposite of a mountain's a valley. It's a place. What is it? What, do you know what it is? It's a giant desert plain. Like a big open area in the desert. And it's outside of Mecca. It's outside of Mecca. So, we're still in our ihram. When the boys go to sleep, what do they not do? Cover their heads. Yeah, don't cover their heads. But of course they can have the tent over their head, but they don't put a sheet over their head. You get up for Fajr, you pray Fajr in Mina. In Mina. Tomorrow morning. The people who are doing the Hajj in Mina, they will wake up in their tent and they will pray Fajr. After Fajr, they're going to make their way to Arafah. Yes, Yusuf. You pray in your Ihram garment. Yes. You sleep in it, you can change it for another one if you like to, but me personally, I think that Sony, you only wear it for, for two days. To me, it's just, you know, you're going to get dusty and disheveled anyway. So you make your way to Arafah. In Arafah, originally, there are no tents, there is nothing. But these days, they do build like, like covers for people so they don't get burnt by the sun. So yeah, there are kind of tents. But these are not the kind of smaller tent. These are just one big tent for 400 people. And there's no space inside. So there's just one really big tent and about 400 odd people inside of it. And then another one and then another one. They're like circus tents, like more like re just really, really, really big, giant tents. You know, like the, the, ones, in, uh, the ones in Mina are more like sleeping tents, but they're for, you know, 100 people or whatever. These are, are much, much bigger. 
they wait in Arafah until actually the Sunnah is that they arrive in Arafah at Dhuhr and they don't actually go into it they actually don't go to the tent first of all they stay outside of it and they reach there at Dhuhr time at Dhuhr time in Arafah we shorten and combine what does that mean? shorten and combine so we pray Dhuhr to Asr to and we pray them together not together like one prayer we give the salam assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah then the iqama then again we pray asr two raka'at right yeah so that's two for dhuhr then in a separate prayer two for asr then there is a khutbah a speech where did the prophet sallallahu pray and where did he give his khutbah not in no, not in a tent, not in the tent, or not in that, not not on the plain of Arafah at all. Yeah, very good, excellent. There's a there's a really big mosque, which is half inside of Arafah and half outside. No, the tent's bigger than this than the room we're in now. It's about double. It's about double the size of the room we're in now. No, I mean the whole building. Yeah, the room we're in now. Like, take this room we're in now with the ceiling and, and go like double again. But he, the mosque is a is a is a building. It's half inside, half outside. So the Prophet would give his. Uh, he would pray dhuhr and asr, shortened and combined. That means two and two. But prayed at the same time Meaning pray one, finish, stand up, pray the next one Then he would give the khutbah, the sermon Then the people would go into Arafah and they would stand Here the Prophet stood on a little mountain We call it a mountain, like a little hill Called Jabal Ar-Rahmah The mountain of mercy But everywhere in Arafah you can stand, anywhere Anywhere you can find inside of Arafah But where do you have to be careful? You have to be careful you're actually in Arafah Because the Prophet said Al-Hajju Arafah Hajj is Arafah You have to be careful you're actually inside of Arafah Right? Because a lot of people what they might do is go to the mosque And remember the mosque is half-half The masjid is half and half Half inside, half outside So no you don't You go out from the masjid You go into Arafah And you have only one job what is your one job in Arafah? Dua. Lots and lots and lots of dua. All the way from the time that the, that the khutbah ends, which if you imagine praying Dhuhr and Asr together, let's just say that Dhuhr is half past one. What time will it be by the time you finish Dhuhr and Asr? Two o'clock, example. Yeah? Maybe you quickly eat something. And if you want to. Now from then until Maghrib Which there might be 7 o'clock or 6 o'clock All that time you're making dua Maybe 4 hours Maybe 4 and a half, 5 hours Maybe more or less And you're standing making dua 
How many du'as can you make in four hours? Lots, huh? Is it okay to take a break then? Yeah, it's okay to take a break. Sometimes you have to take a break. Sometimes you have to just take a break, but it's not time for sleeping. It's not time for, you know, taking a nap. It's not time for eating. It's just supplication. Why? Why is it so important? Because it's the day that the most people are freed from the fire. There is no day when Allah frees more people than the fire from the fire than Yawm Arafah. That day he frees the most people get to be saved from the fire and go to Jannah. The most people. And the Prophet stood until the sunset. Until Maghrib. And the sunset, he stood. And he stood and he stood making dua. What should you ask Allah for? Always remember him. Okay, good. Being good, okay. Ask him for Jannah, okay. Ask him for everything good you want in this world and the next. Ask him. Because you're not asking someone who has a limit what he can give you, right? Okay, very good. So that is Arafah. The best thing you can say is La ilaha illallah wahtahu la sharika la lahul mulk. And on that day, Allah boasts to the angels. Allah boasts to the angels that my servants have come, Sha'ath and Ghubra. They have come to me and they're dusty and they're disheveled, they're, they're dirty, they're wearing the ihram garments covered in sand. And they've come to ask Allah to forgive them. And to ask Allah to, for Jannah and to be saved from the fire. And Allah promises to give them what they came for. Al-Hajju Arafah. The Prophet said all of Hajj is Arafah. The big thing in Hajj is Arafah. After Arafah, it's Maghrib, right? So it's tomorrow, it's Maghrib. The ninth. And it's Maghrib. Now, what does the Prophet do? He didn't pray Maghrib there. Remember, he's traveling, he's going to join. But he didn't join in Arafah. He left Arafah. And he went to another place called Muzdalifah. And this is between Arafah and Mina. It's between Arafah and Mina. And it's also called Al-Mash'ar Al-Haram. The sacred place. And the Prophet went peace be upon him, until he reached Muzdalifah. And then he prayed Maghrib and Isha together. How many raka'ah for Maghrib? Three. How many for Isha? Two. So that means he prayed three, he finished the prayer, he stood up, and he prayed two for Isha. And then he rested. And of course he, he did his dua and so on. And he rested. Until the time of what? Fajr. Isha's gone. And you pray, pray your you know, voluntary prayers and so on. But he rested until Fajr. So now it's Fajr on which day? Eid. It's Fajr on Eid day. It's Fajr on Eid day. 
And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he is where? Where is he? Muzdalifa. Muzdalifa has no tents at all. In fact, most of the time it doesn't even have a place to sit. Muzdalifa is a desert plain and because you only spend a short time there and because it's at night, you just find a place in the hard, you know, sand or the hard ground and you just sit down. And if you feel like sleeping, Allah help you. Because that ground is hot. <laughs> Allah is very hot. From the days, from the sun in the day, all day, it's been, you know, the sun has been shining on it, it's hot. The only thing that they are built in Muzdalifah is just some places for, for the bathroom. But other than that, there is no tent. And the strange thing is there are, there are not really any identifying marks any either. You're still in your ihram. What you just do, take the top part off, <laughs> find a place to lie down, lie down on it, try to sleep. But actually now, alhamdulillah, in some, some places they give you some soft coverings to lie on, some like uh, camping, camping uh, you know, floor coverings and things. But not everybody gets it. And when you go to Muzdalifah, it's a shocking experience. It's the most strange thing. Because you go and it's just people everywhere. Feet to feet, shoulder to shoulder with everybody. And everyone is just trying to find a place to lie down. And just find anywhere on the ground to lie, sit. You are standing over people. Sometimes many people, they go to, to use the bathroom. They don't find their group again. They don't find their, their place where they lie down again. Because you just people everywhere lying down. They go there, they go back, oh, where's my... Okay, get the, if, if they have a mobile, alhamdulillah, they phone the Hajj, pe, Hajj group and say, where are you? I can't see you. But many times people get separated there because there's not just a place to lie on the floor. Last few years I went, it's been better. They've had ground coverings and had some areas which are reserved for people. So each group can go to an area, but still. Now it's the morning of Eid. You pray Fajr where? In Muzdalifah, where you are on the floor. <clears throat> then you remember Allah until sunrise. You stand and make dua until sunrise. But there's a group of people you won't see at sunrise. Who are they? And why won't you see them? Because they're asleep. No. <laughs> No, 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 no. At sunrise, even at Fajr, you didn't see them. They are women, children, those who have uh, issues with their mobility, like maybe they're in a wheelchair, the elderly, the sick. Where have they gone? Home. <laughs> no, 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 not quite. They all left after half the night. So when half the night has passed, and believe me, when we get to Muzdalifah, this is how it goes. We arrive in Muzdalifah, and everybody says, I'm going to stay the whole night, I'm going to stay until Fajr. Yeah, it's fine. They lie on that hot ground for 20 minutes, and it's like, have I got an excuse to leave? I'm feeling unwell, can I leave now? And then everybody wants to leave after half the night. So women, children, those who are sick, 
those who have issues with their mobility, like wheelchair uh, users, uh, people who uh, are accompanying them. Like, so the, the, the man who is accompanying his wife, you know, he will go with his wife. And they will leave after half of the night. At midnight, or just after midnight, they will, they will leave. If they want to. But the sunnah is for them to leave. In any case, they're both going to do the same thing. When you leave Muzdalifah, whether it's the middle of the night or whether it's sunrise, you're going to make your way to Mina. And you're going to come to the Jamarat, which are the big stone pillars. Before this, you collected your stones. Now I'm going to take a guess from you. Over the days of Hajj, how many stones do you think that you need to collect? Seven. That will do you fine for Eid morning, but it won't do you any, other, any good any other time. There are three pillars. Ten. I think you need more than ten. Less than a hundred. Okay, so let's see. When are you going to stone the Jamarat? You're going to stone on Eid morning, just the big one. That is, miss the first pillar, miss the second pillar, stone the third pillar. When you stone the pillar, you're going to take little pebbles the size of a chickpea, not rocks, yeah, not bricks, not shoes. Yes, I've seen people throw suitcases back in the day. Shoes, I saw people throw. No, no, you throw little pebbles. It's symbolic, yeah. People throw a shape. No, you're going to throw pebbles, yeah? And you're going to throw seven pebbles at each pillar, okay? You miss the first pillar because on Eid you don't do that one. You miss the second pillar, you go to the last pillar. Your left shoulder faces Makkah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Each one you say Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, until you reach seven. What happens if you have to throw for someone? Like maybe you had someone sick, unwell, or you're scared, maybe they're like, for example, wheelchair user, and you're frightened, maybe it's not safe for them. So you throw yours first, all of them, and then you throw theirs. Okay? You leave. No dua at that time, you go. What changes now is that when you come to the pillar, you stop doing Labbaik Allahumma labbaik And what do you do instead? Yeah, because it's Eid day Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar La ilaha illa Allahu, Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar wa lillahi alhamd The takbirat of Eid, the takbir of Eid Yes, Yusuf Uh, yeah, no, no, like big while you go in, all the time you go in. Okay, so you, you stone the pillar, you have to do some other things. What's the next thing you have to do? Before that, on Arafah day, if you don't go to Hajj, what should you do? If you don't go to Hajj, what should you do on Arafah day? Not make dua at home, no. What should you do on Arafah day? What are you going to do tomorrow? Fasting. Fasting. So you should fast. Okay? You should fast. If you're not going to go to Arafah, so tomorrow all of us are going to be fasting. Okay? Clear? Alright. What do you do on Eid day? 
open presents. Not on Hajj, you don't. <laughs> what do you do on Eid day? So sacrifice is the next one. You don't have to do it in the same order. You can do any order. But you've stoned. Now you are going to do your sacrifice. In Hajj, actually in, in real Hajj, you don't do the sacrifice because there's too many people to give everybody a knife and an animal, you know. But you, you arrange for the sacrifice to be done. Okay. After that, what do you do? Hair. Hair again. Okay. So for the boys, shave the hair with a blade if you can. If you can't, with a machine. If you can't, cut from all over the hair. For the girls, just one tip of a finger from the bottom of the hair. Okay? Yes. Huh? How does it grow in that time? I know that's why some of the scholars, they said if you do Umrah near to Hajj, you shouldn't uh, shave your head in Umrah. You should just trim it because otherwise it won't be enough. But for me, I shaved my head in, in Umrah and then three days later, I sh there's plenty there to shave in Hajj. Okay. After you've done two out of three, the two are stoning, shaving the head, not the animal, and tawaf in Makkah, going around the Kaaba in Makkah, two out of three, you can take off your ihram and go back to your normal clothes. So what we usually do is stone the jemara, cut the hair, shave the head, and change. Go take a shower in, in Mina at the tents. Go take a shower, get yourself back into your normal clothes. And then you need to go and make tawaf. Go around the Kaaba. And you're going to do tawaf around the Kaaba. And you're going to do also your... Uh, and you're going to do that. You're going to go to... Uh, and you're going to wear your normal clothes. You're going to go to Makkah. And you're going to do your tawaf and sa'i. That is the tawaf of hajj and the sa'i of hajj. How do you do tawaf of hajj? Exactly like you did tawaf of umrah, except you don't uncover your shoulder. And you don't run the first three. Okay? How do you do the safa marwa? Exactly the same as you would do in umrah. Is that okay? Everybody understand? Yes. What do you mean? Like home, home? You don't pray Eid Salah if you're doing Hajj. Very good question. A very good question. You don't pray Eid prayer if you're doing Hajj. You stone the Jemara. You sacrifice the uh, animal. You shave your head. You come out of your clothes into your normal clothes. You go and make Tawaf and Sa'i. You pray, yeah, you pray each prayer at its time. Each prayer at its time. And you shorten, but you don't combine. Shorten, but you don't combine. If you pray in Makkah, behind the Imam, you have to pray full. Because the Imam is praying full. Okay, you finished your sa'i, you're wearing your normal clothes. You've been Safa Marwa, no more shaving the head, it's already shaved. You're in your normal clothes. Now what are you going to do? Go home? No, 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 no. Back to Mina. Again, yeah, this is Hajj. Back to Mina. Now in Mina, you're going to stay in Mina for how many days? Whatever is left on the 10th, the 11th and 12th, and if you want to, the 13th. We nearly finished, five more minutes. 
So you're going to stay in Mina the 11th, that's the day after Eid. And the 12th, that's another day after Eid. So that will be Wednesday, Thursday, and the 13th if you want. What are you going to do on those days? You're going to pray each prayer shortened, but not combined. And what are you going to do? What's the main thing to do on those days? After, no, there's no fasting on those days. The Prophet said, Days to eat and drink and remember Allah. Stone the Jamarat. So now, yes, again, each day. So now let's count. This time you're going to stone all three pillars with seven stones each. How many is that? 21. Okay, 21. You stone the little pillar, they're all the same size, but they call it the small one, the first one. You stone it seven times. Yeah? Then you make dua for as long as you can, away from the pillar, otherwise you can get stones thrown at you. Then you go to the next pillar and you stone seven times. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. And then you make dua as long as you can. Then you go to the third pillar and you stone seven times. Then you leave without the dua. Yeah, it's confusion. As long as you can before you get tired. Yeah? Yeah, before you get kicked out, because because of the crowds, they keep saying, come on, move on, move on. As long as you can. Okay? Brilliant. You do that every day for the 11th, the 12th. So now how many stones is that? 21 and 21 is 42. Plus 7 was, from the first day, was 49. If you stay for another day, another day, you'll need another 21. How many does that make? 70, yeah? No. 21, 21, 21 is how many? 63. Plus 7 from the first day, yeah? So you need, if you're going to do stay the whole time, you're going to need... 70 stones. Very good. Where do you get them from? So the Prophet took his, peace be upon him, from Muzdalifah. But you can take them from anywhere, including Mina and Arafah as well. You have to get them first. Yeah. Otherwise, you have to beg for stones. But what stones are you not allowed to use? Big rocks. No, no, not the big rocks. We know the big rocks. You're not allowed to use the ones that bounce back from the pillar and they don't fall in the basin. So the pillar, the Jamarat pillars are big stone pillars, big concrete pillars. And around the pillar, there's like a moat. Do you know what I mean by a moat? Like when you have a castle with a moat. Yeah, there's like, but not water. It's just like a, like a hole, like a, like a basin. Yeah. So the stone has to hit the pillar and bounce into the hole. It's not difficult, trust me. It's not like really, it's not like one of those games where you have to, it's really, it's, no, it's, it's really easy. But if it bounces too far out and comes back to your feet, you can't pick that stone up again because Allah didn't accept it. You have to just leave it and get some more stones. So you should have more than 70 stones. You should need like maybe, you should have like 80, 90 stones. The stones have to be stones, not tarmac, not brick, not glass. 
Not suitcases, not slippers, huh? Allah did not accept that stone if it bounces back and lands at your feet. Or someone else's head. When I first went to Hajj, someone threw seven stones at the back of my head. I think he thought I was shaitan. But he was just a bit shorter than me. He was a bit shorter and he said, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. The first stone hit my head. I said, ah, it's a pebble. I said, ow. And he looked at me and then he threw another one. Allahu Akbar. And he hit it in my head. And I looked at him and I was like, ow. And then he took another one. Allahu Akbar. And he hit the back of my head. And then by this time I thought, go on, go on. Fadda, please. But the point is that his stones were not accepted. He had to throw seven more. Because he didn't hit the pillar and go in the basin. He hit me. Yeah? So you, you have to be a little bit careful about it. Okay, so you did your prayers, each prayer separately. You threw your stones. Uh, and you throw your stones between roughly, just a bit before Dhuhr, but around Dhuhr until Maghrib. That's the time you throw your stones. Okay, what do you do? We now said Eid is Tuesday. With, on Wednesday, we, we throw the stones. On Thursday, we throw the stones. At Maghrib on Thursday, you have a choice. You either need to be outside of Mina by Maghrib or you have to stay there the, the next day. So either you get out by Maghrib or you need to stay. If there's traffic jam, it doesn't matter. Your intention is enough. But if you, you, you need to be out of Mina by Maghrib. You need to be out of Mina by, by Maghrib. That is on, on Thursday. If you're not out by Maghrib, you need to stay for Friday. But Friday, you, there is not many people, so it's easy to stone very quick and you go. Okay, you've done your stoning on Friday, because that's the best thing, to stay the extra day. You've done your stoning on Friday. Now what you're going to do? Now you're going to do your farewell tawaf. What do you think it means, farewell tawaf? Goodbye, right? See, see you. Because you're going to say farewell to, to Makkah, the Kaaba. So you do the tawaf the same way you do it all the time, going around the Kaaba. You start at the black stone. Allahu Akbar. You've got wudu. You go seven times around. In the last part, Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana. All that same process. You pray behind Maqam, Ibrahim. And then, ideally, you leave Makkah pretty much straight away, as much as you can. Maybe you can't leave straight away, but as much as you can, you try not to, don't do any more shopping, don't do anything after that. The last thing you do in Makkah is the tawaf and the prayer, and then you go home and your hajj is, inshallah, complete. What's the reward of hajj? The Prophet said, Al-Umratu ila al-Umrati Kaffaratun lima baynahuma Wal-Hajjul mabrur Laysa lahu jazaun ila al-Jannah From Umrah to Umrah It forgives what happens between them The mistakes you made in between And Hajj has no reward except Jannah You get Jannah as a reward for Hajj Inshallah, if your Hajj is accepted What is the Hajj that's accepted? The Hajj that doesn't have Al-Rafath Wal-Fusuq Three things you can't have. Rafath, bad language. 
the Hajj that doesn't have bad words and bad things in it. Fusuq, doing sins and doing bad actions, evil deeds. And Jidal, arguing with people. If you can do the Hajj without those, then inshallah the Hajj will be mabrur. And you get two rewards. First of all, you return kayawmi waladatka ummuk. You become like the day your mom gave birth to you. No sins at all. Totally wiped out. And you get the reward of Jannah. You get paradise. That's the reward of accepted Hajj. Before we finish the class, yes. It stays, but you, but you keep doing mistakes after that. You have to try to do it again. <laughs> or you have to try and ask Allah forgiveness again. Okay? All right. I have a couple of, of things. First of all, did anyone have any questions about the Hajj itself, like what we described, the different days? It was just a quick overview. We didn't go into every little, little thing, but that was the basics of the Hajj. More or less. Those were the basics of the Hajj. Okay. What are you going to do tomorrow on Arafah day? Fast. Okay. And pray. Okay, fast. All right. You're going to fast on Arafah day. What are you going to do on Eid day? You're not going to be stoning any Jamarat. Please don't throw stones at your brother and sister. You're not going to be stoning any. You're not going to be rushing to Makkah and back again. Please don't shave your head or cut your hair particularly. What are you going to do? Sacrifice the animal if, if you're the one who has paid for it for your family to sacrifice an animal. Whose story do we remember in sacrificing the animal? Ibrahim's story when he was told to sacrifice his son Ismail and when he put Ismail down and Ismail said Ya abatif alma tu'mar Oh my father do what you've been commanded See look at you kids today Ibrahim said to his son I've been commanded to kill you and his son said Oh my father do what you've been commanded Mom tells you to put your shoes under the chair at home and you say no and he subhanallah, look at the, the difference. He said, Ya abatif alma tu'mar. And he lied down, and when Ibrahim put the knife to his neck, Allah called to Ibrahim, Ya Ibrahim, qad saddaqatir ru'ya. You have brought the dream true, the dream has come true. Because in the dream, he never saw him that he killed him. He just saw that he was, he had put the knife to him. And instead, what was he told to? To do with the knife. What was he told to do with the knife? Um, kill a sheep. A sheep. Very good. We, 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 we ransomed him with a sacrifice. And so we sacrifice on that day. If, if you have arranged to do that for yourself, for your family. But usually for the kids, usually your mom or dad would arrange would arrange for a sacrifice for the house. One per house, not one per person. What, what about Eid prayer? What are you guys doing on Eid prayer? How do you do the Eid prayer? First of all, what comes first? The prayer or the khutbah? Prayer or the sermon? Rabia, what do you think? No, that's Jumu'ah. In Jumu'ah, the khutbah comes first. 
In Eid, the prayer comes first. What's different about the Eid prayer to normal prayers? You only pray two? Okay, but I pray two in Fajr as well. So it's kind of, it is different, but what's different to normal prayers? No. No, it's a Doha time. It's still Doha time. It's not, not exactly normal time, but still Doha time. Oh, my microphone is just caught. One second. I got my microphone caught, trapped. Okay. What's different about the Eid prayer? Come on, guys. You've prayed Eid before. Extra, extra takbirat. Okay. In the first of uh, Raka'ah, uh, the first one for Eid. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Each one raising your hands. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. So it's going to be seven. It's going to be seven. It's going to be seven. And that seven is going to be takbirat al-ihram and it's going to be seven. Then in, when, you go, when you stand up after prostrating after sajda and you stand back up again for your second raka'ah, again there's going to be five. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Five. In the second one. Yeah, all together, yeah. Okay, what about before the Eid prayer? What does everyone sit and do? This is your job on Tuesday, huh? It's your job on Tuesday. Takbirat of Eid. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. La ilaha illallah. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Walillahi alhamd. Until the prayer starts. After the prayer, prayer is two raka'at, like Jumu'ah. The prayer is like the Jumu'ah prayer. Like Jumu'ah, how you pray on Jumu'ah. It's allowed, the Imam's reading aloud. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Yeah. And it's like Jumu'ah, except it's got the extra. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar in the beginning and, the, and in the second raka'at. Okay. After the Eid prayer, there's the khutbah. Whoever wants to stay can stay. Whoever needs to go can go. It's better for you to stay and listen to the khutbah. What else is different about the Eid prayer? Where do you pray Eid prayer? Not at, not at the mosque, generally, and not really at home. You can. Outside the mosque, in a, in a place which is different, like a musalla, a temporary prayer place. Where are, we, where are we praying this time? In the park. So we're praying in the park. Yeah, so we're going to be praying in the park. And we're going to, uh, everyone's going to come. Uh, the men and women, the women will go in the back, and the men in the front, we're going to pray in the park. So inshallah, we'll be ready for the prayer, prayer in the park. It's going to be at uh, the takbirat, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. That's going to start 8 o'clock. And 9 o'clock, we're going to start the prayer and the khutbah will be like prayer will be 15 minutes khutbah will be 15 minutes so by by 9 30 we'll be done what do you say to greet people on eid 
Eid Mubarak, okay? Eidukum Mubarak, okay? What did the Sahaba used to say? Taqabbalallahu minna wa minkum. May Allah accept from us and from you. Any last questions, guys? Because we've been going a long, long time. I said it was going to be an hour and it's been an hour and 15 minutes. Any last thoughts? If I missed anything else, you're going to have to correct it and edit the video if I missed anything from the Hajj. I hope so. It was okay, inshallah. All right? Okay. That's what Allah made easy for me to mention. Allah knows best. Wassalatu wassalamu ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een.